mindfulness mode. Whatever it is, husband, wife, whatever you want to be, the, the true version of what you want to be, write it down, put it on your wall. Hey, Mindful Tribe, it is January 5th. Are you like me? Are you thinking about ways you can declutter, ways you can simplify your life or your home or your business to make things just feel like they're flowing more? Well, I have the perfect guest today. So just sit back, relax, and get ready for this terrific interview with my excellent guest. Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome to the show. Today, we're gonna be talking about organizing, decluttering. We're gonna be talking about the mindfulness behind all of that and how you can achieve that in your life. You can be mindful, you can be grounded, and this is all within reach. And we're talking to a guy who is one of the top downsizing and decluttering experts in the country. He's host of a, of a television series, Legacy List, and he's been featured on the show Hoarders for 15 seasons. And uh, I'm pretty fascinated I'm pretty excited and pumped to be talking today to Matt Paxton. Hey, Matt, are you in mindfulness mode today? Every day, man. That's cool. I guess you've yeah. got to be. You've got seven kids and you've got to yes. promote this idea of being organized and to declutter and all of this kind of stuff. Well, what does mindfulness mean to you, Matt? So for me, mindfulness is it's really about living the you know your, your true life, the life for you. And um, intentionality is probably the word that comes for me the most. And like, how do I, how do I live my life, the one that works for me in the world? Um, and what do I need to do to prepare myself for the day to live that way? And so from, from mindfulness for me, it's like, man, I got to get really super prepared mentally to have the life that I actually want to have every day. And, and what I do there is I'm, my mindfulness is really about and this is a long answer, sorry, but That's um, okay. for me, it's, it's intention, you know, preparing my day for intentional living and to really like everything I do to, to give to the life that I want, because with so many kids and so much business, um, I don't have time for like wasteful things. Right. And that might be people, it might be stuff, it might be ideas, but I've got to be intentional with every minute of my day. And the only way to achieve that for me is mindfulness and to get really prepared. Well, and, and wow. sometimes that's br brutal honesty, which is never fun for anyone. So I just think your your life must be incredible. So organized and so intentional. <laughs> and so amazing. <laughs> Intentionality, yes. Intentionality, yeah. yes. Organized, no. No. No way. No. no, man. I mean, we're Americans. No one's really that organized. Like we have so much stuff, uh -huh. whether it be physical or mental or emotional or, you know, financial, like there's just so much going on. And, um, I would say intentional, yes, but not, or, I mean, that's one thing I tell everybody, like when you ask for help in whatever subject, whether it's organization or financial management, like a lot of us are in this industry because we struggled with it, you know? And, um, so like, I'm not the most organized guy in the world. I just spend a lot of time doing it. Probably more time that. than you do. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about that. <laughs> I yeah. think there's well, no doubt. Well, I say doubt. to you, I mean, yeah, to every listener, right? To like, every listener, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I hope I do spend more time organizing every day. I'm the number one guy in the country on this. Yeah. Like, I better or, or I wouldn't know anything, you know, but like... Yeah. This listener is probably better at piano or pickleball or running or whatever they're, sure. they're into, you know, because they put a lot of their time and intentionality into that topic. So is that what you do for fun as well? Or what do you do for fun in your life? 
Yeah, I load the dishwasher. I love loading the dishwasher. Like I, I love folding laundry. Like I mean, I'm laughing, but I'm not. Um, I'm big into like honestly, the, what I do for me. Uh, I, I go for a five five mile walk every morning. Okay, and uh, I just I love that. I love, you know, I I love being in the woods. I love when a deer surprises me or like a bird. Uh, I have bird feeders. That sounds silly. I mean, I'm not. I'm man, I'm 47. I got seven kids. Like it's not really about me in this season of my life. Mm-hmm. So like it's small things like my wife and I go on a date every Friday night. That's, that's a big deal for me. And, uh, so I kind of look forward to Friday nights, honestly, like that's really the only like five hours that are mine in the mm-hmm. week that don't involve the kids. It's that yeah. time with my wife and then sitting on the, sitting on my couch outside, watching my birds and then watching my deer in the morning. I mean that it sounds so silly, but like, that's my that's my time man that's my place and that's where i really really like you're like oh okay all this work is worth this moment like right now well it sounds pretty mindful to be honest it really does sound like it's all about mindfulness i think it is i mean i've mindfulness is new for me in the last like you know probably two to three years because i used to just work like all out like you know foot on the pedal and I, i grew up i'm a kid of the 80s so like i grew up like my mom taught me like hard, a single mom, like hard work is everything. Everything will come with, with hard work. Right. And I, and I, and as I've gotten older, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, nothing against my mom, but if you're not like walking towards happiness, like you're happy, whatever makes you happy, then a lot of that hard work is wasted. And, uh, and a lot of it, you know, I think this is the right place to say this. Like I used to work for money and I used to work for like financial gain and that never panned out like when i tried to get rich i always failed hard work's really important and i respect it and that's part of my core values and like what i believe in and um but a lot of times i would like quantify hard work with money earned and as a young man i I mean i that's what i thought i needed to do and as a husband and provider and all that and i was really wrong and um and different generations have different beliefs because of where they are in life and time and all that. I'm fine with that. But like, for me, I found that I had to help people. And so like, when I tried to be like, that was my big metric was like, did I help someone today? And, and I kept seeing like, I would, I wouldn't like, if when I didn't focus on money, I would maybe make more money. Interesting, <laughs> like, isn't it? And when I, and when I finally said, Hey man, or, and I, and I, and I don't want to get too religious. Like, it's more spiritual than faith for me. Um, when I finally just gave in to the world and said, okay, I'm going to help people. That's it. And, and it was like a, it was literally a, like a jump off a wall. And I was like, for this month, I'm not going to worry about the cost and the profit. And I'm just going to say, did I help that person? And when I finally gave into that, like at the end of the month, I looked at it and it was like, oh man, I made more money. Like, and then I was like, I'll do it another month. And I do it again. And it's like, Oh, okay. If I really just help focus on helping people, then the money gets bigger and bigger. And so I finally just, I started just giving all in to giving and helping. And, and that's when my life really turned around. It was about five years ago. And, and the world gave back to me when I stopped asking, right. And I just started giving. And so that's when I really turned into to mindfulness. It was like, okay, like, I'm not going to listen to, I don't want to say I'm not going to society but I'm not going to listen to the traditional norms that I'd been taught and like job first and all that. I just I said, Hey, I'm just going to go, you know, help people and love my family. And man, has the world given back to me. My career has exploded because I'm able just to go help people. 
And it's, wow. and it was really a big lesson for me. I mean, and I, and I preach it to everybody. I'm like, dude, stop worrying about cat. Like go help, like do what makes you feel good. Go help people. You will find more in that. And I think I've had a dance between minimalism. Like I've converted to minimalism in the last three years and really got rid of all my stuff. Mm-hmm. Ironically, you know, 20 years cleaning the messiest houses in the world. And, um, I had to fall in love with a minimalist. <laughs> to really find happiness in, uh, in life in life and not stuff. Right. And, um, and, and so really, I think the, um, self-actualization and, and, and really just, as I say, brutal honesty, and then, uh, you know, the helping giving into all that, that's what really has made my life turn around. Was it easy to become way. a minimalist? It was not easy to become a minimalist, but it's very easy to stay one. Um, it was super scary. I mean, there's a lot of jumps. I talk a lot about jumping off the cliff. I mean, that, that was a, yeah. I mean, I was living in a neighborhood that I had lived in for 47 years. Like I, oh, wow. I grew up in that neighborhood mm-hmm. and I came back to that neighborhood and raised my children in that neighborhood. And my mom lived around the corner. My, my uh, grandmother lived around the corner. Like my whole life was in that, you know, 10, honestly, 10 block radius. And, um, and I was leaving that for eight hours south to Atlanta. And I really started to freak out when I was cleaning out my house. And it was, you know, and I've been given this advice to people for, I mean, I'm literally on podcasts and articles and all, I mean, given advice on how to clean and how to just, you know, how to declutter and downsize. But yet when it was my own house, man, it was really hard. And when I got into the attic, going through my grandparents' stuff, my dad's stuff, my, um, Everybody, you know, my stuff from high school, letters from girlfriends that I hadn't even talked to in 30 or 40 years, you know, but all that stuff got to me mentally and I almost didn't move. I, I, I basically like quit and I was just like, I called my, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, and I just said, I don't know if I can do this. And she's wow. a hardcore minimalist and she just goes, well, me and your future life are in Atlanta. If you would like to stay with your stuff, good luck, because then you're not the man I thought you were. Oh, Wow. And then, and then she goes, let me know what you decide. And she, and she hung up. Wow. That was tough, huh? Well, I think I needed that. Yeah. Right. I needed that hard of a, you know, ultimatum. Mm-hmm. And she, and so we didn't talk for two days and I went through this whole thing. Right. And I, and I, mm-hmm. and, I and at the end I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta do this. I'm an idiot if I don't go. And, uh, spoiler alert, we're now married and we have seven kids and we live in Atlanta and it's awesome. Um, and I will say minimalism has really changed my life for the pods. I have more time. Uh, I'm not spending all this time chasing stuff and cleaning up stuff and picking up stuff, especially with young, young children. I mean, we have, we have six boys, eight to 14, and then a 16-year-old girl. And I found myself working harder to buy stuff. I found myself spending more time organizing it and cleaning it. And then even like our yard, I mean, my wife is a hardcore minimalist. I mean, our yard is designed to have very minimal uh, upkeep. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything in our house, there's, we don't have any walk-in closets. I mean, like we only have 10, pl- we only have, we have nine people and we have 10 plates. I mean, like we're very specific and intentional in everything we do, but what that allows us to do is have a lot more time to do the things we want to do together as a family or, you know, as, as a duo, or even like it allows me to, you know, I, I don't work till 10 now every day mm-hmm. because I've made it being a minimalist has given me time to have that time from eight 30 to 10 to go on my walk. And, and that intentionality has really made my life better. So I found myself much happier with less stuff. Uh, and the side note was it, 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 uh, 
it gives you more money because <laughs> you're not yeah. wasting your time buying a bunch of junk. Mm-hmm. Um, what I didn't know minimalism would do is it exposes your parenting, oh. good and bad. Um, I used to put my kids in front of a TV mm-hmm. and parent, you know, TV and video games that really did a lot of my parenting. And I didn't know that until I didn't have that option anymore. And so a lot of my time is now spent parenting and, uh, as opposed to just letting them, you know, I'm not saying you got to like, that's not like a golden rule of minimalism. Like, I mean, although I am wearing a black shirt, you don't have to wear a black shirt <laughs> and have no things. You know I mean? We're, yeah. we're mo- we say we're modern minimalists. I mean, we, we still have things, we still have Legos, we still have, you know, we still have life. Um, yeah, we have six, wait, what? We have eight bikes in our garage because we have nine of us here. You know, right. it's like, we're not saying we don't live, um, but we don't have a bunch of junk so that we can have the stuff in the life we want. But yeah, I mean, minimalism has, has changed my life probably the best, honestly, because it's wow. given me space to actually live. That's fascinating. Yeah, so yeah. let's talk about clothes. Do you do you have like a limit? Everybody in your family can only have like a certain number of shirts, a certain number of this and that. Is that how you do it or how does this We do happen? space. Every kid's oh, okay. got a four, a four foot wide locker. Okay. You can fill with dinosaurs. Fill with dinosaurs if you want, but you're wearing dinosaurs to school. Oh. I mean, like your space is your space. Now we don't. We have a 16 year old daughter. Mm-hmm. None of these rules apply to her. She okay. has a normal 16 year old daughter's room. She probably has more clothes in her room than all of us combined. Mm-hmm. Um, half of them are ones she's stolen from us from our donate pile. Like she's just a normal 16 year old daughter. <coughs> I think she will eventually come back to, you know, the minimalism life that we live. But right now she's a 16 year old daughter and I'm not, we're not going to like push anything on her. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, we're pretty lucky. She's pretty awesome. She doesn't go too far from, from our life. Right. Um, but yeah, I've got, I got what, I've got about eight, six shirts. I got three pair of pants. Um, because of my career, I have to have a suit. I have to have, you know, I have sponsor t you know, shirts. So, but, but I have, I mean, we don't, we don't actually don't have walk-in closets. We have um, a panel closet. So my wife mm-hmm. and I each have, uh, we have about six feet. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, we honestly don't, yeah, we don't have a lot. I mean, if you, I used to do this with, uh, with a lot of my hoarders and my downsizing clients. I would, uh, it's an old trick I heard, which was if you, you know, because I had a mat, before I moved here, I had a big master walk-in closet. I must have had, you know, I, I had all my size 28 pants, my 30s, my 32s, my 34s, my 36s. And I was like, I'm going to get into that, right? I'm going to eventually get back to the 28s. And uh, which is a total lie to yourself, yeah. Yeah. right? But I believed it. And I'm like, well, I'll just keep one, you know? And it'd be like, they were like parachute pants, you know? I mean, they were things from the 80s, like hammer pants, you know, it's just ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But but it was something my wife taught me about being your, you know, the, your true self. And she's like, you have, a, you know, she goes, everything in your closet is for a fantasy life. She's like, you have skis. She goes, you have skis in your in your garage. She goes, when's the last time you went skiing? And I was like, ah, I don't know, like 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, couldn't you just get rid of those and rent a pair? And I'm like, well, but I have skis. And she's like, great, that you've never used. She's like, well, did you have children last time you skied? And I was like, no, I did, I did not have children last time <laughs> I skied. She's like, so get rid of it, right? And so like yeah. when I started sitting in on that, it's like, okay, wait a minute. You know, if I really real in my real life, right, not my fantasy life, my real life, like, what do I really need? I, I need three pair of jeans. Right. And, uh, and, and that's it. And so a lot of um, it's about honesty. Honesty with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Honesty with yourself, which I think has a lot of crossover to what you, what, you know, what you believe in. Like, yeah, totally. True. And, and true honesty with yourself is a very uncomfortable place to be at the beginning. 
And then it becomes like the greatest place to be once you've gotten through all the lies you've told yourself, you know, but you got to like, you got to get through them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's the hard part, you know, yeah. like really, I mean, like, I mean, you're going to laugh. Like I, I was talking about this the other day, like I minimalism and, and intentionality. Um, I ended up calling my ex-wife and like apologizing for a lot of things. Oh, almost really? like a, almost like an addict would in rehab. Oh, that's interesting. And, and I mean, I just realized like, oh man, I put work and not that I wanted to be back with her or anything. I just felt mm-hmm. bad. I mean, we're friends. Like she actually lives down the street. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, my wife and her are better friends than, than I am. Um, and we, you know, we raise a lot of kids together. And, sure. uh, but a couple of times I called, I was like, Hey man, I put money and work ahead of you. Like I get it now. I, I kind of get why you left. Like, mm-hmm. I'm really sorry. You know, and, and it, I've had a couple like deeply, brutally honest conversations with her. And I, and I, and I do a lot of that in my walks, you know, I'm thinking, and then I come back from the walk and I call her real quick and I apologize. And, and it's funny, she ended up doing the same thing now. And so probably like once a quarter, we pretty much apologize for like real stuff we did. Now we were kids, you know, and so I, I mean, we don't hold it against each other, but like we definitely, as you mature and you get more honest with yourself and you, and you find some happiness and some peace, like, I think it's important to apologize to yourself and to the other people that you, you know, that you harmed, if you know you did. And to me, that means, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're going down the right path. If you can see the truth in things might as people might've said to you 15 years ago, you know, I'm not saying call all your ex partners. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's not, that's not what I'm saying. Sure. But sit in it with yourself and be brutally honest with yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, and it does bring happiness and joy on the back end. I, I believe. Well, it's really fascinating. I'm I'm just wondering if, if somebody's listening to this today and they think, okay, where do I start? Do you start with one room? Do you start with your garage? Do you start with your basement? What do you do if you want to start moving toward this goal? I love it. Okay. So I'll say that, let's start with this. We hold on to stuff because of the people that they're attached to, or yes. the, you know, either the past or the future. It's either the life you had or the life you want. That's mm-hmm. why you hold on to stuff. So we, in hoarding, we used to call it fake future and perfect past. Yeah. Right. And, um, and I think it's really important to, to know, like, what do you want now? Like, what's the life you really want now? Cause you, you can waste 10 years reliving the past or planning for the future. And, and that's what a lot of my hoarders did. And so for me, I try to find a room or a space that, um, it doesn't have a lot of heavy mental significance. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into this industry 20, almost 25 years ago because my dad, my stepdad, and both my grandfathers died. They all died in the same year. Right. And I had to clean out four houses. Um, so I would not advise starting like in one of those people's rooms or one of the boxes of one of those people, like start somewhere easy, like junk mail. Right. Um, I really love junk mail. Um, cause it's easy to make decisions. Um, sure. most people would tell you, don't start with the pictures. I don't mind starting with pictures mm-hmm. because you're just sorting. You're just getting, it, it doesn't, the first couple of weeks, it does not matter what you achieve. It's just that you got started. Mm-hmm. That's it. Because, you know, there's stuff that you need for life. Yeah, totally. And this is going to be very unpopular from the one I'm about to say. Um, I think 90% of the stuff in your house is not needed. 
And well, I'm not saying we should that. get rid of Yeah, um, It's not needed. It's wanted. It's desired. Mm-hmm. And I have found for me, I'm saying this only for me, most of it was I was just trying to find happiness in, in self-worth somewhere in something, whether it be running or biking. And, and, and all of this is the most important thing I'll say today. All of those things are stepping stones to where you are today. You needed that stuff then to get where you are now. But with that theory of stepping stones, it's okay to let go of it now and give it to somebody else. Okay. It served right. its purpose. It served its serve is the exact word. It served you then. It probably doesn't serve you now. And so I really get into that. So I think, you know, start somewhere like, I mean, I, I weight is a big thing for me. I've gone back and forth on my weight. And so a lot of, I mean, I've spent countless amount of money and time buying all these ridiculous contraptions and, and it turns out all I needed to do was go for a walk every day. <laughs> right. You could get rid right. of all the contraptions. Get all the contraptions. But like I say, start in your, um, I like junk mail. I like um, guest room closet, right? Like something, a place or a drawer, a space. For me, it's about small, achievable. Right. The junk drawer I love. You should work for 10 to 20 minutes. That's mm-hmm. it. Do that every night for a couple of weeks. Um, if you don't have, if you really don't know where to start, Man, I, I think just the rule of your sink should be dry when you go to bed. I'm going to say that again. Your sink should be empty and dry when you go to bed. Just get in the habit of doing the dishes every okay. night. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah. that alone is it's you've got a goal, you accomplish it, and you're telling you're, you're proving to yourself with action every day that you can follow through and do it because there will be a night that you'll, you're not going to want to do it. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be like, eh, I'm going to quit. And the issue, here's the key, is just not quitting. Yeah. Like, just don't quit. And so don't allow yourself to quit. And so I, and, and when I talk about intentionality, I believe a lot of this is, it, I really believe a lot of this is the choosing not to quit. Um, I was very, my dad was a wild man, like crazy ad man in the 70s, drank a bottle of scotch every day. Um but still, uh, still a good dude, believe it or not. I mean, I found a lot of crazy stuff about my dad that you're not supposed to find <laughs> when I cleaned out his house. Right? Okay. Yeah. And I can laugh about it now. But my dad said to me when I was 16, and it's a very real thing, and I still hang on it every day. He goes, hey, man, just and my dad was very, he didn't like, he wasn't a super active dad. He just lived in the, he lived it every day. Every day was the moment, mm-hmm. which is, which is almost too much. And, um, he did not plan. He had like a hundred bucks when he died. He was in his fifties, you know, but he said, Hey man, you're never going to be the smartest guy in the room. He goes, you're never going to be the best looking guy in the room. You're never going to be the strongest guy in the room. And you're never going to be the richest guy in the room. And he goes, but you can outwork everybody. He goes, you're the hardest working kid I ever met. And he goes, and that's a choice you'll have to make every day. And he goes, if you outwork everybody, he goes, everyone else will quit. He goes, so every time you want to quit, he goes, remember, that's just getting you closer to, to winning because everyone else eventually will quit. He goes, you don't even, he goes, you won't even be remotely the most talented guy in there because, but you got the secret in your head of, oh, I won't quit and everybody else will. And that pretty much got me through my twenties and thirties, honestly. Like there were some really low times where you're like, okay, God, like seriously, dude, like this is getting embarrassing. <laughs> like yeah. this is. I'm believing you, man, but like, 
give me a sign here, dude. Like, give me something, you know? Wow. And I remember my mom used to say, well, God only gives you, you know, as much as you can handle. And she goes, but I think he thinks you can handle more than you think. <laughs> you, <can't, laughs> yeah. you know, like, yeah, I think because we were losing. I mean, these men were dying every six months, you know, and so I was just everyone that raised me was dying like one after another. And it was just really hard. But I remember my dad said, just don't quit. And so I've taken that into my philosophy now, of downsizing and decluttering and even minimalism. Like, it's just, first of all, it's just stuff. Like, it's just not yeah. that important. It's just stuff. And you are the person you are, the, 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 the realness of you has nothing to do with stuff. It's how you treat people. It's how you help people. It's how you, you know, live in the world. I mean, and this gets cheesy, but like, you don't go to a funeral and people talk about the stuff you own. They talk about how you made them feel. Yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah. And so I, I, the, I mean, and just so, so your, your listeners know, I asked to come on your podcast because I love the topic, you know, and I want people to hear like a lot of this is a choice and you can I mean, you're already going, if you're listening to this podcast, you're already interested in having a better life. You wouldn't yeah, be listening to it if you weren't. So don't let the stuff hold you back because stuff is just a really good excuse. And I'll say that again. Stuff is just a really good excuse to quit. You don't need most of it. You need about 10% of it. Yeah. If that, yeah. yeah. This, is, this is really interesting. I'm enjoying this conversation. I, I'm just fascinated as to, with all the work you've done helping people who are hoarders, helping people who have collected all this stuff, did you start to kind of delve into the psychology of this? Like, why do people keep books and magazines? Why do, what's the psychological aspect of why people keep boxes and containers and things like that? Yeah. Did you ever think about stuff like oh, yeah. that? Oh my God, think about it every day. <laughs> I, I would think, I would think you would. I mean, look, I, I have a unique opportunity. I've spent 20 plus years in people's attics and basements. Yeah. And so on a one-on-one -on -one level, and you can't study it at a, at a mass level. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I have helped a lot of universities, you know, do research on this. And, I, and I've actually written two books. I wrote one, uh, Keep the Memories, Lose the Stuff is my newest book. Yeah. And um, it's really about downsizing and decluttering. Uh, a book I wrote 10 years ago is called The Secret Lives of Hoarders. And okay. that gets really deep into the psychology of hoarding. And I can right. sum it up really quick. Um, hoarders are looking for happiness and self-worth in stuff. Okay. Just like people look for it in uh, alcohol, yeah. in drugs, in faith, in work, in friendships, in exercise. Same thing. I put positive and negative things there together. I mean, I just put alcoholism and faith in the same sentence. And I did right. that on purpose because we're all looking for our, our happiness and self-worth in something. And the root cause is because something bad has happened to us. Right? There's some type of trauma in all those situations. Something harmed us and we want happiness and self-worth. We don't know why our brains work this way. There's no data yet to know why the brain chooses hoarding or alcoholism. Right. right. But we do know that trauma caused it. So with the hoarding, I mean, I've helped thousands of families and on the hoarding, what we saw was it was usually death uh, or divorce or abuse. Okay. And, and now I can actually look at a pile and I can be like, well, that's, you know, people like that's hoarding. My grandma's a hoarder. I'm like, Oh no, man, she's got dementia. Like the way that pile is created, that's Alzheimer's. That's not hoarding. And then I'll be like, oh, your mom was abused. Did she have an uncle or a husband? You know, and they'll be like, yeah, my, her husband used to beat the crap out of her. I'm like, yeah, that's what this is, you know. And so there's different types. I mean, so to, to really hit you here, early on, our hoarders would be 
Um, by the way, they're super smart. They're super smart people, smarter than the average person. Mm -hmm. um, they believe they can do more in the world than you and I think. That's why they keep so much stuff because they actually believe they can get to it. Um, and they're, they were very successful. Top three careers were teachers, nurses, and social workers. Interesting. Teachers, nurses, and social workers. And this is what will blow you away. What do those three things have in common? Well, Besides being people, underpaid. Helping people. They help people. They're yeah. caring people. They help yeah, people. Right. Hoarders are very caring people. Most of the, and, and if you're listening right now, whoever's listening to this podcast, and you had a, a relative that was a hoarder, I'm going to blow your mind right now. Everything they hoarded that they kept was to give away to other people. It wasn't for themselves. Mm. They were trying to help other people. Their happiness and self-worth came by giving to others. And so they would consume so much because they wanted to help others so much. Um, I said this in a speech the other day. I used to walk into a hoarder's home and I'd be like, I mean, the rest of the world's like, you're gross, you're filthy, you're disgusting. Mm -hmm. And what I learned was they just cared so much about other people that they were either, again, we talked about this earlier, they were either holding on to stuff from the past or they were preparing to give things away for the future. And so I switched my verbiage from, oh man, you're gross, you're, you're filthy. I'm like, man, you got a lot of love in your life. Wow. Like you care about a lot of people and you would switch that verbiage and they'd be like, I do, you know, it'd be a lady that hadn't smiled in 10 years because the whole world's crapping on her. Right. You know, and, and I'm like, man, you must love a lot of people. And they would be like, I do like, great. Tell me about all of them. Every single one. Let's start. Like, well, that's going to take a long time. Great. This is going to take us a month to clean your house. I got the time. Let's go. And as we were cleaning, we would hear all these amazing stories. And um, kind of the, the longevity of my career has been learning that, you know, the stuff is really about the stories. And that's what my, my new book, Keep the Memories, Lose the Stuff, and my TV show, Legacy List, is all about the stories. I do not care what an item is worth financially. I care about what it's worth emotionally. Uh, and, and what I've really found is if you tell the stories about these items, it's easier to get rid of them. And that sounds so counterintuitive, but the more you tell the stories, you tell the stories of your family, your, your loved ones, mm -hmm. good and bad stories, whatever the truth is, you tell that story and you find yourself releasing that item. You don't need it anymore. You just need the story. Because you don't hold on to something because it's plastic or it's wood. You hold on to it because it was your grandfather's or it was your grandmother's. And your grandmother was an amazing woman for these reasons. If you talk about that over and over and over, you find yourself not needing the stuff anymore. Yeah, that is that is really, really interesting. Yeah. And it makes so complete about sense. The yeah. yeah, that's the psycho. I mean, yeah. you know, it... it I'm very lucky to, to have just been able to see it. And I, and it, thousands of times over I've seen it. And I've seen, and I've also seen people get their lives back, you know, where I've seen a hoarder that had no life. Um, I got invited to eight weddings of different hoarders. Did you, know, you really? That turned their lives around. Yeah. That turned their lives around. And that's, that's a tough incredible. dilemma. What do you, what do you get a hoarder for their wedding gift? <laughs> it's a really, it's a really, it's a really hard dilemma. You know, nothing is the answer by the way. Yes. <laughs> you don't buy them anything. They don't need it. But like, I've really found that like, um, hoarders are so, it's probably the most misunderstood group in the world. They're super, they're super good people, man. They're fascinating people. They're crazy smart, like super smart, like a different level. They just, they have more time than we do because they don't live on the same time frame that you and I live on. And so they think they can do more. And, and a lot of times they can, you know, and um, they're just fascinating, brilliant people that, that are currently, currently is the important word there, currently having a rough time. 
right? And 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 if you do it the right way, the life their life can come back and even better. I mean, even better than it was before. So interesting. I always ask a question about bullying and how mindfulness connects to it. Do you have a story about bullying where, you know, mindfulness would have made a difference? So maybe oh, as it applies to you or as it applies to someone you know or something like this? You know, it's, ooh, I should have read the questions. I saw you send them to me. I didn't read them. This is great. <laughs> I have seven kids, so bullying is a big issue for me. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I'm going to take it a different angle. Um take it with hoarders too. I mean, a lot of my hoarders are made fun of constantly. Right. And, and I mean, look, I was on a TV show that put a mental health disorder on television for profit. Right. I mean, yeah. there's an ethical dilemma right there from the beginning. Right. And so what I tell, remind everybody is we give everybody therapy. We would give them a year of therapy on the back end. And if, oh, really? if the TV show didn't pay for that therapy, I don't think it would be an ethical show, honestly. And so why I'm saying this for the bullying question is um, what hoarding did for me was it really forced me like at an extreme level to be super compassionate, right? And understand why the person behaves the way they do. There is, a re there is always a reason, always a reason that someone behaves the way, the way they behave. And so as I've gotten older in life uh, and where I'm going to get to the bullying here is I... Um, dating as in your 40s most yeah. everybody uh, is coming out of their out of their first marriage mm -hmm. and i often heard a lot of like bullying behavior from one spouse to the other and what made me a good person to date in my 40s i found out later was that i was very compassionate to both sides and that is because of my hoarding and so what i will remind everybody on the bullying it's really easy to hate the bully but bullies bully because they were bullied yes and you have to be compassionate enough to see that side and it's really hard when they're bullying you it's extremely hard to understand well there's a reason you know and i tell my kids all the time like look like what do you, what do you, and, the, and my kids they just they hate when i talk about them but um one of my sons was getting bullied by this kid and i said uh, yeah just tell him you know that he loves you and you really appreciate it he goes, what? I go, man, that kid's got a horrible life at home. If he's bullying you, like that guy's got a crap life. Yeah. And I go, so just, you know, say, I, I hear you, man. Uh, you want a hug? I'll give you a hug. And so they go, they walk over and tell them, I guess like, walk over to the kids, offer them a hug. And it just throws them off. They don't know what to do. And it says, ah, oh, no, my dad told me you got something bad going on at home, man. If I can help you, let me know. I said, be super nice to him. And I said, they'll all stop. And he's like, no, this kid's going to punch me. And I said, no, he won't. Trust me. He, he's going to freak out, dude. He's going to leave. And I mean, every single time and it they worked. come back, yeah. it works. It's and they so think it's true. Hilarious. Too. You know, yeah, they're like true. so thrown off, you know, yeah. so I'm, I'm in it with a, with a joke, but really at the end of the day, you've got to understand in, in any level of bullying, whether it's your partner, whether it's your, you know, someone at work or a kid that that person's bullying because they, their life is really bad. And so like the challenge for us is, is to, to, to like, to be compassionate and turn it back and be like, Hey man, I'm sorry. You're going through something. You got nothing to do with me. Like, you know, you got to be a confident person to do that and you got to be a compassionate person to do that. But it never has anything to do with you. Like ever. Yeah. They don't so even true. know you. Absolutely I mean, <laughs> true. They don't even know you. you know, yeah, that's right. They don't even know yeah. you. I always said like, yeah. you know, I saw a lot of people like if they know your middle name, then whatever. And this is what I learned being a, you know, being a guy that was on reality TV 
for the last 15 years as social media came to light. Right. Um, you know, I used to read, I, used, I mean, early on, like back when TV was a, a time, right? Like, oh, you're on at 9 p.m. on Mondays, right? Yeah, that right. doesn't exist anymore. But no. for 10 years, it did. And at the same time, Facebook was the only place you went online. Yes. So there was one place to, it was our town center, it was our town hall, you know? Yep. And so I would literally sit there and watch myself on TV. I'd be interacting with fans and thousands of fans would be responding. And a lot of them would say horribly mean things. And be like, you're fat. And I was, by the way, I was fat. And and I was young and I was immature. And everything they wrote was my biggest fears. And and I would just sit there and I'd get so upset, right? And then one day I just realized, I was like, man, they don't even know my middle name. It has nothing to do with me. And so that's a little thing I've always, if someone's being mean to you and they don't know your middle name, screw those guys, man. They got, it's, nothing, it's not even about you. That's and by the advice. way, same rule uh, for inviting someone to your wedding. If they don't know your middle name, you don't need to invite them. <laughs> you'll save it. You'll save a ton of money. <laughs> That's a good tip. <laughs> your mother-in-law will disagree, but you know, yeah, I love it. But I, yeah, bullying's tough, man. And and so I, yeah. I really, I believe everything's a choice. Like you, you can choose to be positive. You can choose to be negative. You can choose to embrace people. You can choose to ignore them. And all of those are allowable and, and acceptable. But you got to be clear on what your choice is, what your path is, and be really intentional about it, and be confident behind it. I mean, I'm. I'm a very lucky man that my dad taught me confidence at a very, very young age. Yeah. And it's, and it's given me a really good career and I don't waste time worrying about what other people think. Yeah. Well, that's so important. And, and it really is. And I've been able to help a lot of people because of that. Yeah. And a lot of people think I'm crazy. Okay. Fine. I mean, what did you, when you first said, I'm going to do a podcast about mindfulness. What did, uh, did everyone just say, this is a great idea? <laughs> no, not everybody thought yeah. that was a great idea. Yeah, exactly. And they look at us not. now. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's true. So I, I also believe that if people think you're crazy, you're, you're going down the right path. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. like you're doing something worth doing. If, yeah. if, if, if everyone agrees, I mean, really, is it that good? Maybe like, that's are you the, the first greatest. one to think yes. about it? If yeah, everyone exactly. agrees, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Matt, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So okay. just 30 second answers are perfect. The okay. first one is this. Who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence to you? Uh, my dad, my dad, dad. Yeah. Sounds like he was yeah. amazing. And my second yeah. question is this. It's about uh, emotions. Uh, how have you learned to deal with your emotions differently as a result of mindfulness? Uh, it's all about compassion for me. Yeah. It's all, I, I, I just see the other side now. Yeah, that's great. Let's talk about breathing. Is there an element of breathing in your life that has helped you that you can share with us? Yeah. Getting my sons to breathe when yeah. they get upset. Yeah. Yeah. Just deep, deep, slow down, pause, deep breathing. Yeah. Yeah. It makes such a difference. It really does. Yeah, and eye eye connection as well. I, I bring, I say, stop, stop, and I do, I put the horse blinders on, and I say, mm -hmm. and we I take them to the other room. I pull them out of the situation because we got nine people in the house. We get a very quiet space, and I look at them. I say, look me in the eye. Deep breaths, and it it just brings it down quickly without elevation. As you mentioned, you've written a couple of books, and the most recent one is "Keep the Memories, Lose the Stuff." Is there a book you would recommend that's related somehow to mindfulness that can help people? 
Yeah, I'm going to pitch my wife's book right here. Uh-huh. Minimalism for Families. Her name is uh, Zoe Kim, Minimalism for Families. This book changed my life. Uh, it's actually how I met my wife. Uh-huh. I read her book. Um, I hope it will not change anyone else's life like that because I, mean, I actually read the book. It gave me incredible ideas of how to do do more with less stuff. And it's written to teach your kids how to have less stuff. And so I read the book it, and I tried some of the things and it worked. And I reached out to the person that wrote it to thank her. And we now have seven kids. That's a pretty cool <laughs> story. That's a damn good book, right? You know, yeah. I mean, uh, I hope it doesn't for you. But some of the ideas and concepts in it have really advanced. You know, even though I did this for 20 years, yeah, it took me having a real coach, just my wife, I mean, to really have... She got me over the finish line. I had I had run the twenty four miles, but I was I didn't see the whole picture yet. And for me, right. the minimalism side brought it back. And it was about the not lying to myself. It was about the um, you know being brutally honest with yourself and um, and really getting away from the financial needs and and walking more towards the spiritual needs. And and again, the financial needs worked themselves out mm-hmm. when I did focus on the spiritual side. Right. Very interesting. Is there an app of any description, an app of any description that you would recommend that can help with this? You know, I do like Calm. I don't know if people, if that's a good one or not, but for me, Calm works. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll say what works for me the most is floating, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. the float tanks. Okay. Um, I don't know how many people here do those, but um, I had a guy that had a float place in Richmond, Virginia. It's called the Float Zone. I uh, love him, Dr. Uh, Dr. David. And uh, he read an article about me in a paper. And he picked up on some of the negative things I said in the article. And I didn't know they were negative. And, and he just reached out and he said, hey, I want to give you a couple floats. Like, just come try it. And I was like, well, it's kind of expensive. He's like, no, 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 it's just please come try it. He goes, if you don't like it, don't ever come back. And I was like, okay. And I had never found a place that totally calmed me out like that. And um, the first float, was the worst experience of my life. I, it was like forced meditation. Oh yeah. And an entrepreneur for an hour by himself going through a divorce. That's the worst thing (laughs) I ever experienced, (laughs) but I felt calmer at the end and I wanted to go back. And then after that, um, I, when I'm really worn out, I go float and, uh, it gives me a centered place. It gives me a calm. I fall asleep and it lasts for days. And I found, um, that if I do it weekly, you know, get me through the stressful times during the week with kids, because I know I'm going to have that hour of calm. Mm-hmm. Like I know it's coming next Tuesday. And so I found that like it, I just get more confident and know that it's coming. And so whatever works for you, floating, walking, whatever, but like get consistent with it. That consistency really, really, really worked for me. Very, very interesting. And as we wrap up the interview, do you have a final word of advice for our listeners who might be, you know, wondering how can I move toward this? How can I become more grounded through minimalism or whatever? Do you have a word of advice? Yeah, a finish line. What's your finish line? What do you, it's your plan. Like, like what, what is your goal? What life do you really want? And um, keep coming back to it, right? Um, for me, it's grandpa. I want to be a grandpa. That's my finish line. And um, I'm 47. I'm young, but my dad died at 52 and I'm gonna have to work at it. And so I had to get healthy. I had to get focused mentally, physically, all of it. And the reason I say that, what's your finish line for me? It's my grandpa and uh, my wife and her book, she'll call it her why, right? whatever it is. But for me, it's, it's grandpa. And so like 
now when I'm working out, I, when it, when I want to quit, I, I literally say to myself, grandpa, 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 grandpa. I say it all the time. Like when pick that, whatever it is, husband, wife, whatever you want to be, the, the true version of what you want to be, write it down, put it on your wall, wherever you sit every day. I look at the word grandpa hundred times a day. And so when I want to quit, I can't because I'm quitting on my, on my kids. If I do that, it's easy to quit on yourself. It's harder to quit on your kids. So what, yeah. for me, that's what I got. Whatever your why is, whatever your finish line is, put it on paper, put it on the wall, make it real in front of you and, and it'll, you'll stick with it harder. Matt, it has been fantastic talking to you. I really appreciate your wisdom and all of your stories. It's been great. Thanks for being on Mindfulness Mode. Dude, today. thanks for having me, man. Thanks for doing your podcast. It'll help people. My pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. All the best to you. Bye now. Hey, Mindful Tribe. Thanks for tuning in and Happy New Year to you. This is the perfect time to declutter, to downsize, and move forward in your life. And it's not a coincidence. That is exactly what you'll read on the cover of Matt Paxton's new book, Keep the Memories, Lose the Stuff. I'm sitting here with Matt's book right here in my hand, and I can tell you, he is the expert at helping you downsize in a comfortable, manageable way. You've just heard his interview. He's so personable. He's such a great communicator, and he's the host of the Emmy a nominated legacy list with Matt Paxton. That's the name of that show. And he was also featured on the TV show Hoarders for 16 seasons. Order his book right away. Like I said, it's called Keep the Memories, Lose the Stuff. It is a must-have book. Also, I want to thank Palm Wonderful for being one of my terrific sponsors. Drink it daily, feel it forever. For more information on Palm Wonderful, go to palmwonderful.com. And with that, Mindful Tribe, reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.